Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We can find mercy all the time in your presence. This is what your presence lets us know. Let's us know that we are approved of you. And we thank you for that, that we are accepted in the beloved of God. Thank you, Lord, to open our hearts, minds, and ears to hear what you are saying to each one of us personally. You have a personal word for everybody here today and everybody who is uh, watching on the Internet and who will hear later. And we thank you for that, Lord. Make it worth our while, as you always do, to be in your presence. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. I think we should always expect to receive something when we're in the presence of God. Amen. He doesn't just show up for nothing, so it's it's a good thing. Amen. Um, so we're going to talk today about um, uh, <laughs> our topic is wait no more. Amen. Wait no more. So, uh, yeah, so Jesus wants us, everything he wants for us, he wants done the minute we believe. <clears throat> Amen. The moment we believe, we receive. Amen. Uh, that's how faith works. That's how it's always worked. Uh, people who believed God went on in full confidence that God was with them. Uh, that he approved of what they were doing, that they were walking with God. They walked in obedience to God. And so that's always good to remember that when you receive something from God, it takes effect immediately. Amen? Uh, this is true. What most of us believe when we pray the sinner's prayer that we were on our way to heaven right then and there. Because that's part of what we're 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 told when we pray that prayer uh you know god god forgives your sins and that means you are saved right then and right there we are also healed right then and right there amen just like the symptoms of being a sinner didn't leave you immediately when you confess christ <laughs> see we can feel that same way about everything you see you it doesn't mean you're not when you pray and you you believe that you're healed, you are healed. And it doesn't matter about things hanging on. It's like every time the devil would tell me, you couldn't be saved because look at what you did. Oh, no, devil, I'm saved. How do you know that? Because you confessed it. See, I remember praying that prayer, and that prayer means I'm saved. Amen. Right now. You're not in heaven. Oh, I'm going to get there one day. Don't you? Don't you worry about that, devil. Amen. My heaven time is not yet, <laughs> but I know that heaven awaits me. Amen. Heaven is my reward and heaven is my final resting place. Why? Because I prayed that prayer. I have faith in what I confessed. And so that's really what it's about is faith in what you confess, faith in your own words, in spite of what you feel like. Amen. In spite of what symptoms say, in spite of all of that, you know, God is, is, is working with you. He has answered that prayer and, and healing is yours. Heaven is yours. Whatever you desire is yours. And, and this is what we have to stand on. Uh, we're not waiting to see something to know that God, uh, has something for us or to know that we're healed. You're not waiting on anything. You have it now. Amen. So rejoice now. Thank God for it now. Amen. And, and it will be yours. It will come to pass. All of it will come to pass. 
Right now, if you're believing God for something, you have the faith for it. You got me? And that's your evidence. That's your evidence that it's real. That's your evidence that you possess it. That's your evidence that it belongs to you. You're just the only thing. If you're waiting on anything, you're waiting on the natural to catch up with what's already happened to you. You got me? And and not really waiting on that because you can go on and live a normal life. You can have everything that you want. You can just keep believing God to perfect what concerns you. Uh, you didn't get get healed. You didn't. Your symptoms didn't leave the first time the doctor gave you a pill, but you kept taking it. Amen. So this is what we have to do with the word. We have to keep taking the word. We have to have enough confidence in God that we keep taking the word and understand that we're healed on different dimensions. You're healed spiritually first. Amen. You've got to believe that you receive the word of God of healing in you when you pray. You've got to have the spiritual first. People are looking for the natural to prove that that God's real or something. Well, it'll never be known there. Amen. It will happen in your spirit first. Once your 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 um, spirit man hears that word and and you start feeding your spirit the word, he catches on in faith. And once that happens, then you have a portion of what you're believing God for. We live in several dimensions. We live in the spirit and we live in the natural realm. And so if you're you're looking for everything to happen at once, sometimes it will. But there are times when it won't. And But that doesn't mean that it's not real and it does not belong to you. That just means that you got some meditating to do, you got some thinning to do, you got some, you know, talking to yourself to do. Amen. So that your whole being receives it. Amen. God's word is life and health to all of our flesh. And it's not you hear one time and you're perfect. How many times did we hear uh, what we should be doing uh, for God and never responded to it? But you kept living. He kept blessing you. He kept helping you, kept bailing you out. And you were obedient maybe like 10%. Amen? Amen. That's That's all our story. Well, it's the same thing with the changes that occur in our body as far as healing is concerned. You begin to feed yourself the word. And then that that sickness begins to diminish or the symptoms of sickness begin to diminish. It is helped greatly by our confession. It is helped greatly by our thought life and our meditation. If you can keep your meditation in God's word and keep it healthy, and keep it focused on what God's truth is and not what you see, you will see things manifest pretty much pretty quickly. Amen. Those that don't manifest quickly, it's just a test of if you're going to hold on or not. See, your faith is being tested. See, you we don't know what manner of spirit we are of, as Jesus told the disciples. Amen. We don't have the answers. We're finding things out. And so God wants us to know the truth. He wants us to know what the reality is. But more than anything, he wants us to continue to believe him. You know, even though we say we love Jesus and I believe you and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, he knows you ain't going to do no more than what he puts you in a position to have to do. Amen. We do what we have to do, first and foremost. Amen. And forget about the rest. 
If he healed you 100% today, what would you do with your life? Amen. And so sometimes we need to walk things out. We need to get understanding as we go along. We need to have things. Most of us want answers to prayer to get the sweat off of us. Amen. If you're still sweating, you got a ways to go. Sweating is not faith. Sweating is not peace. Sweating is not trust. Sweating is looking at what the devil's doing and wanting it to be over already. Amen. This is true. Amen. So God knows he's got to get you to the point where the devil don't bother you. You remember those scriptures? I'm not moved. None of these things move me. And you read that and think, yeah, I like that. Look at Paul. Strapped to a Roman soldier and getting flogged every place he goes. He said, none of these things move me. Amen. We don't even have to go through all of that. We like the sound of it. Well, you're going to have a chance to prove that none of these things move you. Amen. Because some of them just stay in our lives for a season. They stay in your life long enough to perfect you in your faith. The bottom line is Jesus is looking at what your faith is able to do. He knows what it's capable of. We're the ones that don't know it yet. So really our faith is being tested for us so that we will know what our faith can do. You need to know what your faith can do. This The just will live. This should be very, very interesting to all believers what their faith is able to do. Besides getting you an emergency payment on a bill that, that you didn't jacked up the money for already. Huh? It's just true. Faith goes way beyond that. God is looking at your faith to change the city that you live in. To change a crazy school system you got your kids in. Amen? He wants you to have faith that when he moves on you to go up there to that school and tell them people that your kids are your property, not theirs. And they can't do anything they want to do. And your children are Christians and they serve God. They're not serving the devil. So he wants sometimes his people to go up and give somebody an earful about who their kids are. Amen. And so, but you can't do that with puny little faith or faith that's hiding in a corner. Or faith that's getting, that's afraid of everybody getting bounced out of school. So what if you got to homeschool them and have a job too? You just do what you got to do. Amen. And they'll probably be the better for it. Amen. If it comes to that. And so we have to consider that faith is for more than just our little basket that we have our stuff in. Amen. It's for him. It's to bring glory to him however he decides. And so this is why God is so interested in developing our faith. That's that's why sometimes things will have to go for a season before they get resolved. Amen? Because God wants to see you continue to believe him. Anybody can believe anything for a day. Amen? When I was a kid, they had a program. I shouldn't tell this. Y'all know how old I am. Stop it! But they had a show called Queen for a Day. Amen? And they pull some some woman out of the audience and she was so, don't get excited, sister. It's only a day. You know what I'm saying? It's, you see, they loaded her up with all these gifts, put a little crown on her head and all that. But after the day was over, 
you turn into a pumpkin. Amen. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up, but anyway. <laughs> it only lasts for a short time, these excited feelings we get. But pretty much real life is believing God for everything day in and day out. Whenever the opportunity comes to, to make a move or make a decision, check in with God. How do you want this done, Lord? I know you're going to bring me out of it. I know you're going to take care of it. Let me know what my role is and how, what, just open the door. Give me direction on, on how it's done. And so Jesus throughout his ministry was really teaching the people faith, teaching about the kingdom, teaching the standards of the kingdom, teaching how the kingdom manifests, um, what your responsibilities are as citizens of the kingdom, how it's run. It's going to be different than the way your life has been. This kingdom operates on love and the fruit of the spirit uh, and, and forgiveness. That's the cornerstone. That's how we all got in. That's what we all have to continue to do. you got to be committed uh, to forgiveness of everybody, not judging what they did, who they did. Do you like them? Don't you like them? That kind of stuff. It's just a blanket uh, forgiveness. Why? Because God, the forgiveness then opens the door for anybody who needs the mercy of God to receive mercy. See, if we hold people in contempt or we hold them in unforgiveness or whatever, they're not released so that number one, we can be blessed as well, but number two, they can be blessed. They got one of God's kids is holding them hostage because of something they did. So the thing is to forgive them. Amen. The Bible says, Jesus said, because they don't know what they're doing. And even we as Christians don't know what we're doing either. You don't know the total ramifications of, of unforgiveness. You know, you know what it means to you. You look old before your time. You're bitter. You're angry. All of that stuff. It's bad on you, but it's also bad on the environment. For all you <laughs> new age people. It's bad, it's bad for your spiritual climate, the atmosphere that you keep around you, your circle of friends that you gather around you or push away because of that attitude. Amen. You can gather the right people around you with the wrong message. <laughs> you know, you can play to people's carnal side and, and have a lot of supporters. Oh, yeah, you ought to do this, you ought to do that. And none of them are doing any of it. But they'll push you into it. Amen? Why? Because you're open to do it. So we have to keep that door closed all the time through forgiveness. Operate in love. It's supposed to kill you. I'm going to say it again. Walking in love is supposed to kill you. That's how you reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to righteousness. By walking on obedience to God. I don't care what people do to you. Man, you don't know what they did. I don't need to know. I just need to know the word. And there's a remedy for it. Amen. And so God wants us to live this way, folks. See, there's so much anger being spewed at us. We've never been exposed to as much negative lies emotion commentary as we are now 
There was no social media 10, 15 years ago. There was not people taking videos and, and showing you all kinds of stuff just so they can get attention and, and they can send them a check. YouTube will send you a check if you get so many views. So you put your kids on there and they're beating up on each other. They all need to be thrown in jail from YouTube on down, paying people for nonsense and allowing people to put anything on there. But see, they'll put you off because you talk about Jesus, but they'll put anything else on there they want to put on there. Things that degrade people. It's ridiculous. So we have to, we have to be even more vigilant over our hearts. The Bible says, guard your heart diligently with all diligence what does that mean everything that's within you you protect what's in your heart amen and the devil will come at you 24 7 trying to move you off of your position amen but you have to even be more vigilant you know turn some of that stuff off you know you you know before you even click the whatever that thing is that, that starts the video, whether it's going to be good, bad, or indifferent. So just keep it moving, amen, and, and allow God to keep your your heart pure towards him. Keep your mind fresh so that when when you see something come up, there's a prayer there, there's a scripture there that you can release in that situation. And there's not some, ooh, let me see this. You're getting excited about some carnal stuff. Amen. That, that needs to be taken away from us because we're put here to represent him. Amen. And he is love and he is compassion and he is mercy. Those are things that if you sow those, you'll receive them. You sow mercy, you'll get it. Do we need mercy? Oh gosh. <laughs> Do we ever? Amen. Don't think you're, you're, oh, I'm obedient. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. How do you obey? You gotta do it through Him. He's gotta show you mercy to even help you. Amen. So God. So, John chapter 5, that's where we wanna be. Amen. We're still talking about faith. Still talking about healing. And this is the the man who was at the pool of Bethesda. Amen. For 38 years he was in this condition. Now we don't know if he was at that pool for that long. But he may have been. Amen. But he was 38 years uh, crippled. Not able to walk. Amen. And it says in verse 1, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. So Bethesda really means, anybody remember? House of mercy. Amen? House of mercy. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease that he had. 
And a certain man was there, which had an, an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When he saw him, when Jesus saw him lie and knew he had now been a long time in that case, he said to him, will you be made whole? This was this man's time of mercy. Amen. He was at the house of mercy, expecting mercy. And guess who comes by? The giver of mercy. Amen. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and he walked. And on the same day was a Sabbath. Now, there are a lot of things here that that we need to focus on. And and number one is that this is a place where people are expecting God to help them. It can be any congregation, any church, any denomination. You could see this as any church that, that people congregate in. Many times people, you know, even though people don't have a reputation or a doctrine of healing or health or something, people who are coming to what we would call non-spirit-filled churches, dead churches, however you want to describe them, Churches where they have don't routinely pray for the sick, where they don't have an altar call, that does not stop people from expecting God to help them when they come to church. And so we need to understand that about how God deals with things because you can find God helping people in some of the most unlikely places. It doesn't have to always be at like the hot place for getting, you know, where an altar call is or where they have a healing service or where they teach faith or anything like that. God can help people wherever he decides to help them. Why? He looks at the heart. He looks at the individual and he is looking for faith. Faith is a personal endowment that you have within yourself. It has nothing to do with where you go to church. It has nothing to do with the congregation that you're sitting in. It has nothing to do with the place that you're a part of. It has to do with you as an individual. And how do we get faith? By hearing the word of God. Can you hear the word of God in a place other than where you go all the time? Of course you can. God can send people to you with the word for you. You Somebody on the street can stop you and, and, and pray for you and give you the word of God. So God is not limited to where you go, but you may limit yourself to what you really believe. See, you can be in a place that doesn't teach certain things, but when they come to your ear, you have a choice of what you believe. You got me? And so this is how God reaches people, by allowing them to come away from the traditional doctrine separate themselves from the traditional belief. Come away with what what you have been traditionally programmed, how you traditionally have been programmed to think and come into the knowledge of him for real. And this is what Jesus did everywhere he went. He pulled people out of tradition. He pulled them out of where they were. His truth pulled them, gave them something else to think about, 
other than what they've been indoctrinated to to believe all the time. People get deprogrammed every day. Amen. They can come out of the darkness that they've been. That's just how people get born again. We begin to tell them the gospel story. We begin to tell them our testimony. We begin to give them something different from what they've been fed every day. And when they hear this something different, then they're confronted with a choice. Before this news comes into their ears, they have no choice. They have to believe what they've been told. If you never hear anything different, you believe what you've been told. And and trust me, the devil will make sure that you hear what he wants you to hear over and over and over and over and over again. You know, people have been, uh, have done videos of what they call, um, uh, talking points that, that different news services put out. You know, Associated Press controls pretty much all the news that we hear from what we call mainstream. That's why people have started their own little internet news things and, you know, all of that where they can give you something different. But somebody played clips of a talking point that they had picked up that morning. And about 30 different programs said the same words over and over and over again. So if you don't think people are being indoctrinated, you better think again. The devil knows what he's doing. And he's keeping us controlled if we submit to it. If you don't get your word and if you don't challenge stuff, you sit up there every day and want to hear what the next thing is that they're saying, or you get loyal to some program you got to watch. Watch stuff you have to watch. Do you understand what I'm saying? If God didn't tell you you have to watch it, you need to question, why is it I have to, I can't do anything unless this is on all day long. You got me? And so, so the enemy has always indoctrinated and programmed people because Satan understands how that works. He understands how faith works. He understands it comes by hearing. So what does he want to do? He's the prince of the power of the, so he controls the airwaves until a Christian will break in and get something different. And then he can, can in a subtle way start to infiltrate that. He'll start to put little things in there that he sees people itching ears like. And so he gets first the itching ear type people. They want something novel, something cute, something fresh, something new. And so he's able to control what you hear that way or lure you away with, with something that, that appeals to your uh, your ethnicity or your likes or your, you know, this kind of stuff is something soulish that he can, uh, you know, get you involved in instead of staying with the spirit and the things that make your spirit strong. You know, don't just turn on any Christian television. Ask God who, who has a message for you. God, who has something for me today that'll encourage me, that'll exhort me, that'll help me. You know, um, and, and even if you've been encouraged by a, one person for a lifetime, always check in with God. You know, is there another word out here for me? Amen. Something that's really, really going to help me and going to strengthen me. Amen. And and learn how to be proficient with, with your own pastor, what they're teaching and what they are, are putting out for you. That's your first, yes, your first line of defense when trouble comes. Amen. God's not having you sit up here for nothing. 
he's here you're here to be fed the word and to be fed and made strong in the things that god knows god knows what you're going to face before you even face it and he's prepared prepared provision for you to guard against that you you want to be victorious in everything that comes against you so god's already made the provision for you if you'll follow up on it amen christians so easily want to get the next new shiny toy that's out there and it's never anything you're supposed to be playing with amen it's just a shiny object you let the people who don't know any better have the shiny stuff you need something that's going to take you through next week you understand me (laughs) the devil's got something for you just just as you're coming up to the next week. And so God is, has made provision for you to be able to stand, withstand. If the devil knocks you down, get up and stand again. If he punches you in the face, get up and stand again. Amen. And give him the death blow. So so he has provided, God's made provision for that for you already. So anyway, the, Jesus is there in Jerusalem. Not by accident. He's always there on assignment. And that's something we have to understand. So Jesus will come specifically for you because he is assigned to help you. When he shows up, it's because it's on purpose and it's for a purpose. So so he comes and walks up to this man. Now the people, it says here in, in verse 4, these people are waiting for something. Waiting, waiting, waiting. They don't know how long, they don't know when, but they're waiting. It's amazing to me how long people will wait and they're not sure what they're waiting on. Or they're not sure if it's going to help them. Or they're not sure if it's their time. They're not sure of anything. But because they've been told by authorities to wait, they wait. And so the question is, whose authority are you under? Who is it that's calling the shots in your life? Who is it that's giving you instruction? Amen. And so Jesus comes up to challenge authority that's not legitimate. You'll see any time he healed anybody, he challenged the authority that was not legitimate in their lives. Amen. Any authority that tells you God will not do it for you when you want it is not legitimate. The the Bible says to ask what you will and it'll be given to you. Amen. That's God's word to you. He's not telling you to wait all the time. In fact, we're not to wait on anything because our faith tells us it's now. In fact, your faith tells you, should be telling you, it can happen at any time. That's why you expect. Amen. Expectation means now. Expectation means it's, it's mine now. Expectation means I'm not waiting to have a number called or for something else to happen so that I can have it. Everything that's supposed to happen for you to have it has already happened. So there's no need to wait for anything. Because nobody can tell you, if they tell you to wait, they can't, if they can't tell you how long you gotta wait and when it's gonna happen, their, their word to you is not legitimate. Do you understand me? And anybody that tells you to wait for something that Jesus has already paid for is not telling you the truth. 
People say things, God is going to heal me. No, that's not true. He already has. Amen. And if you can't get on board with that, then you're not going to receive. You've got to get on board with truth before truth will manifest for you. Well, what am I waiting for? You tell me. So why are you waiting? People need to question the waiting thing. They need to question the time thing. Amen. I remember Sister Edder made the statement. She said, you know, God will give you a prophecy and the devil will come in the next breath and tell you to put a date on it. (laughs) You got me? So these are some things that, and, and when it manifests depends on a lot of things. And God knows, but he's not going to always tell you when. Amen. Sometimes if we know when, we slack off. <laughs> we want to coast our way in instead of believe our way in. Amen. That's true. Amen. As I, a lot of times I'll tell people, I say, you know, God will confirm things to you to encourage your faith, but don't slacken up on your faith. You know, when you get an encouraging word, something in the natural that he encourages you with, keep the same pace of your reading your word and thanking him and, and believing him. Everything that you're doing to express your faith, keep that same pace. Don't slacken. Amen. Don't take an improvement in your condition and take a day off from reading the word and take you you understand what I'm saying. Make sure you want to eradicate everything that the enemy has done. And, and, And if God honors what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. Amen. Until it's all done. And then afterwards, keep doing what you're doing. Dodie Osteen was cured of liver cancer. What we say 40 years ago close to it and when she gives her testimony now she says oh yeah every day i would do this this and you know i have done it every day since then i still do it every day she reads so much word she confesses it she thanks god she worships god you understand what i'm saying she keeps the same appointment with god she had when she had symptoms in her body that she does now why anybody can tell you that'll keep you well other than that, you keep fighting the same battles over and over again. You start off from square one, go right back, and start fighting the same battles over and over again. That's like, uh, you know, somebody who, who goes to AA and they get helped by the program. You don't have a, a you know, they'll say, well, I've been uh, 21 days sober. You don't take them to a bar and celebrate. I'm going to say it again. Some of y'all act like you're not even human no more. I said, you don't take an alcoholic to a bar and celebrate because they've been 21 days sober. Amen. Or people who are on Weight Watchers. Of course, my late husband cheated. He, They said, he's the only person I know who would lose like 20 and 25 pounds and still cheated. Well, he found the secret to success. He's smarter than y'all are. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's how he stayed with the program. Amen. <laughs> of course, now alcoholics can't cheat. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they think that stuff is so. And for them, it is. It's very toxic. Amen. 
I don't drink now. I see people call themselves Christians that drink. You know, I mean, if that's what you're, you're whatever allows you to do. But I got too many crazy people from alcohol. You know, they, my people call it fire water. You know, some of them do. And then I got them other people in my, you know, history and they call it something else. You understand what I'm saying? They call it maize, y'all, or whatever. And so, you know what I'm saying? You just can't take chances. You get sober. You want to bring it, be sober. Amen. Now, if, if nobody had my phone number, you allow people to call you anytime, you better stay sober. Amen. Just a thought. (laughs) Certain things, I mean, if you can't give that up for the sake of a gospel, my goodness. You don't even like, like the way you look drunk. You know, you could look in the mirror and say, man, what did I do to myself? It's like, no way. Amen. Some things you just, it's worth it to let it go. It won't hurt you not to have a drink. Amen. Won't hurt you one little bit. So praise God. But anyway, this, this man though is, is this place, Bethesda is controlled by the temple, of course, the, the um, priests in the temple and their doctrine, so forth and so on, and um, they they will come by and encourage people to believe the the fairy tale, amen. That they're waiting on a happenstance occurrence to get something that God has already given. See, if these people are Jews, and most of them probably are. They have a covenant of healing with God. That the, the temple is supposed to be able to help them. The synagogue is supposed to be able to help them to take benefit of the covenant of health that they already have with God. But so why are all these people lying out here? Because it's easier for religious people to get you to believe a lie than it is for them to operate in truth. I'm going to say it again. It's easier for religious people to get you to believe a lie than for them to operate in truth. For them to operate in truth, you, they, they bring you in and they read the scriptures to you. They allow you to make the appropriate sacrifices so that you can get your healing back. They instruct you in the word. They do all of the stuff. All of the stuff we do now was available to them then. So why aren't they doing it? Well, let me ask you this. Why is your average church not having an altar call to pray for the sick? It's the same old crazy religion. Well, God doesn't heal everybody. Well, you know, sometimes he heals you and sometimes you just blessed to, to be able to carry your cross. Jesus already carried that cross that paid for my healing. Amen. I remember when I was, was looking for a church, when I was, was, was saved and was at home getting better, God was healing me. He was healing my mind from a nervous breakdown. I would visit churches to see what they said about health and healing. I left more churches than I ever stayed in. Amen. Why? Cause none of they would laugh at, oh yeah, they believe that healing stuff and would make fun of it. Anytime they make fun of truth, you, you get your, pack your bags and keep going. Amen. You haven't gotten to the right place yet. 
Amen. And I found out that there were few right places to go to so that you could receive healing. A lot of times your only help is going to be what's on television. Amen. Because if they don't teach it where you are, you've got to get it somewhere. That's why a lot of people survive many, many things is that they just reach out to God and God touches them through whoever is preaching truth. That's where you get touched. Amen. Because truth is, it's so easy for people to absorb religion because it comes, it, you know, your mind doesn't have to be converted much for you to believe a fairy tale. Amen. People believe them all the time, especially when they don't have much in there from God. And so here these people are, they're waiting on an angel to come down maybe and stir the water maybe and get down there maybe because somebody can help them maybe. God's promises are not maybes. They are sure things. God has a guarantee to heal you. If you got symptoms or sickness in your body, you have a guarantee from him that he's going to make you well. He wants you well. Jesus went to the cross for people to be made well. And so when when he comes by this man, it says a certain man was there and he had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew how long he had been in that case. Jesus knew all things, amen. Most preachers would keep going if they knew you've been there that long. They figure it's too hard for my faith. It's too hard for God. Let me make you more comfortable where you are. Jesus decides to disturb his comfort zone. That's the first thing correct doctrine will do to you. It'll disturb your comfort zone. That's why most people grab it and run back to it. Amen. That's why they grab the mat and cling to it because somebody is telling them to get up off of it. Your mat can be any false doctrine you believe. Amen. Oh, the tongues is of the devil. Oh, God doesn't bless people like that anymore. No, no, you can't have what you say. You can only have what God says you can say. Well, he says you can have anything, but you just don't know that. Amen. What you're believing is what's been told you by the people that are are there because you want to stay where you are. People who, people have a hard time leaving churches. Amen. Unless the church is preaching the truth and they want to live a lie. That's rare. Most people are in religion. But they have a hard time living, leaving religion. Why? Because religion fights hard to hold on to people. Once a Baptist, always a Baptist. Well, that word is going to follow you. And if somebody tries to give you, oh, no, we don't believe that. No, no, no. You don't go around them people. Don't go. What's a Baptist? Always a Baptist. Well, that's your confession. That's what you believe. And that's where you're going to stay. Even though you need healing. even Or you'll see sometimes somebody will sneak out. And go to a Benny Hinn crusade or something. That's what it was back in the day when we were getting, they, they sneak out and go to Benny Hinn. Get in your bus and go with you 
and then you see him get on the bus over and over again. Where are you going to church now? I'm going, I'm still going to dinner now. Once a Baptist, always Baptist. Well, why'd you sneak out? I mean, you know, seriously. Huh? Did not God lead you to living water? Oh, no, you know, uh, no, 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 you know, and of course they bought a pew. People know them. They asked me to be a deaconess. You know, I'm on trial for how long? They don't want to tell you how many years. Well, didn't they observe you before they asked you? I'm going to take a little time with this one. You don't think religious spirits know how to play people? How to play them emotionally? How to build up your pride so that you think you're important to them? You can't leave, you get, you know? Somehow they know when you're about to leave. Why do you think they watch people so carefully? They watch, they observe. They watch who you're with. Huh? Watch everything. That's their job, is to keep you under control. So this is why the pool, this is why everybody's made comfortable. Amen? This is why everybody who's sick and infirm are gathered together in one place. Well, they dare not have you around anybody who's healthy, anybody who's got their healing through obeying the covenant, anybody who's, you got me? They want to keep you in that atmosphere of sickness. So all you ever see is sickness and weakness and lack of health. They want to keep you isolated from any other kind of doctrine, any other kind of truth. And just around your company, you know. There's old John on Matt 4, row 7. Hey, John, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm going to get somebody to come. You know, we're going to get Uber will be by in a minute. and Uber Eats is going to bring us something. And Grubhub will be by here. Can we get you anything? Why? To make you comfortable in false doctrine. To make you comfortable where you are. Amen. To make you comfortable. Or, you know, dead churches, they hear about conferences that other people have. And all of a sudden, guess what we're going to have? We're going to have conferences just like other people have. Why? Because they know you're going to sneak off and try and learn some truth. Something that they can't tell you. Something to keep you locked in. Amen. So there's all kinds of work that the enemy does to keep truth away from us. This is what we're fighting as believers. We're fighting lies, false doctrine. Anything that's not truth is what we're fighting. And what is the devil doing? He's spewing out more of it. Why? Because he's not, he doesn't have anything else to work with. And he's convinced that his lies will work 
and they will keep people impotent, keep them lying there, keep them satisfied, not having a full life, keep them on the mat. Amen. Keep them wherever he wants to keep them. He's convinced that his stuff works and it does. Amen. So when Jesus comes, comes up here, he recognizes that there's a great multitude of people all in one place who have similar situations. They've been placed there by people who are giving them hope in something that's not doctrine. I'm not saying this never happened, but this is not, you can't find a statute and an ordinance anywhere in the Bible that says your healing has got to come through an angel disturbing a pool that you're waiting in front of. That's not doctrine from God. In fact, that's not even how it works. Whoever got in that pool had to have faith that God would heal him or they never would have gotten healed. It's the same thing with these people who go on these pilgrimages and and get in from the weeping statue. God will heal you in front of a weeping statue as long as you're believing him to do it. Now, should God do that? You talk to him about it. He doesn't. You think he's threatened by a weeping statue? Is he any less God because he healed somebody who was reaching out? He had compassion on some poor person operating in the little bit of confidence and faith that they had. And he healed them anyway. Statue or no statue. God wants you well first. He wants your prayer answered first. He wants you to have what you say first. And if there's something wrong with your believing, he'll straighten that out later. He's big enough to to make sure you understand things so that you're not running around trying to sell tickets to weeping statues and thinking you're pleasing God. He'll make it known to you exactly what the truth is. And that's what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did when he healed people all over the place. This man was not unique, but this was his time. What made it his time? We don't know. Was it the fact that he'd been there 38 years and, and God has more compassion on people who've been there the longest? Probably not. Amen. Probably Jesus heard this man the first time he, he prayed 38 years ago. You got me? There has to be faith in operation somewhere before he will come and do what, what people want him to do. So this is, this is what our job is to figure out how was this man singled out? How was he, how did he get Jesus's attention? Amen. Jesus verse six says, Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been a long time in that case. He said to him, will you be made whole? Now what you see in verse six is a picture of compassion. When Jesus sees us sick, when he sees us helpless, when he sees us hopeless, he has compassion on us. Don't think he doesn't feel for you in the condition that you're in. But he's looking for something else. Amen. He's looking for a spark of something that he can use. And so he says to him, it's it's just like when Jesus would get in front of a crowd and he would preach and he would give them truth. This is the same thing he's doing with this man, only he's got an audience of one person. Amen. 
So you would see in a crowd, many people got healed. Why? Because they heard what he said and they believed what he told them. That's all that's necessary for you to get what you need from God. You don't need to be in a big group of people that's listening to a sermon. You just need to listen for his voice and believe it and act on that what you believe. Amen. So Jesus might have gone through that crowd talking to a lot of people. We don't know. But this man, his story gets told because we need to understand what transpires here and what it is that that causes God to favor us, causes God. That's what we need to know. We need, we don't need to, you're not interested in the rest of the people that didn't get anything. Cause you don't know that they didn't. We just know what happened to this man and focus on what he's, what's happening with him so that we can know how, how the faith of God operates. And it says, when, when Jesus said, will you be made whole? What does this man say to him? Sir, Okay. Will you be made whole requires a what? A yes or a no. Amen. If it's no, go to the next person. You got me? Or sometimes Jesus would deal with them on that no. He would challenge their no. Amen. But this answer is, is off of what he's asking. Jesus wants to know exactly what your desire is. But he tells him this story. Thank God Jesus listens to your story. Thank God he doesn't cut you off because you give him a story. Amen. Amen. So the, the guy tells him this story. He says, I have no man. He said, but, but this is what he tells me. He says, while I am going. I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. Now, angels are what? Number one, invisible. Ah! You mean to tell me, Pastor Barb, that maybe an angel didn't come to Uh-huh. How do we know this story was even true? Or maybe God didn't honor their faith because they were believing him to do it under certain conditions. See, when the conditions are met, that's when people release their faith. So how do you know a breeze didn't come through and trouble the water? Come on now, just saying. Now, I'm not trying to mess with you on purpose, but we got to think about things. Because somehow you got to let falseness go and let truth come in. If Jesus heals him without this whole scenario happening, Jesus must be bringing truth. And anything that doesn't line up with his truth is what? A lie. We can say that. Amen? So... All they know is this water starts moving. Angels are invisible. See, it might have been the angel was added after somebody jumped in there and got healed. 
Just saying. The weeping statue. The bleeding statue. All that kind of stuff. All these signs. Signs are things you see in the natural. They don't have to be caused by what you say they're being caused by. Amen? But apparently, this man has been giving it his best shot. He says, I've been trying to get down there. Isn't that what he says here? He says, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, somebody else steps on me and pushes me out of the way. And gets down there before I do. I was reading somewhere where people found what they believe was a pool of Bethesda. And it's a pool like in a, like a, a cave type thing. It's a step, they said it's like 21 steps down there to get to the water. So you gonna need some help. Other than that, it's, it's what, tuck, drop and roll? Huh? If you gonna get down there and be the first one in, you gonna have to have a skateboard or some propellers or something on you. Amen. This is religion, people. It's got, to me, it's got religion written all over it. Maybe I'm a little sensitive to stuff like that. But religion makes it hard. You know, if we're still thinking about receiving from God and it's hard, think again. You got some religion working somewhere. Doesn't he say his, his truth is his yoke is easy and his burdens light. Believe you receive it when you pray. What can be easier than that? So here this guy is. He's been putting forth his best effort. What's that an indication of? Say it loud. There you go. So he's got faith. Jesus uses the faith that he has. Y'all see that? How is he using the faith that he has? Huh? No, it's it's in what he just told him. To go from sitting to rise, take up your bed and walk, what's he got to know about this guy? He's been moving already. Come on now, read it again. He says, while I am coming. So Jesus used the faith for coming that he already has. Jesus said, hey, this dude has been getting up. Huh? Have you been trying to do something that you haven't been able to do without pain, without stumbling? My faith has been working all along. Huh? Keep trying. The anointing will show up. The healing virtue will show up at some point in your trying. Amen? See, the devil will try to make you sit down again because, oh, you can't get up. You can't fall. This is what he's telling this guy. He's laying on a bed of lies. I can't get up anymore 
I'm just not going to try anymore. But Jesus is looking at him. He says, this guy's been giving it his best shot. Amen. I'm going to give him and I'm going to put an anointing under him. When he gets up the next time, he's going to do it. He's going to get it. Amen. Amen. So he that's why I say he uses the faith that we have. He's not putting your faith way up here and you're living down here. He's bringing the faith down on your level. He gives you a baby step to take. He gives you a simple something to do. Huh? He doesn't challenge us to, you know, be Smith Wigglesworth and Smith, Smith Wigglesworth had a hard time being Smith Wigglesworth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Living up to the man-made reputation is what I'm saying. And so he gives him something that's available to him on his level. Amen. When the lepers stopped to ask them to, him to heal them, and he said, well, go show yourselves to the priest. That was something they would have had to do anyway. It was reasonable and normal for healed people to go to the priest and get checked off. Amen. Get off the naughty list and get over to. You got me? So, so he will always give you something within your range. You, your faith is not going to be a leap or a vault or a too hard or impossible to believe your faith will always be at a level where you can engage with it so that you can receive so when he tells jesus when jesus when this guy says i've been trying but i have no man to help me amen he's trying to uh I believe, to coax Jesus into saying, well, I'll be here. I'm going to stay by your bed. I'll be your helper the next time. Amen. He's trying to convince him to be the man. And he is already. Amen. He's the man who walks up with proper understanding of what needs to be done so this man can receive his healing. All Jesus needs to do is get us to exercise the faith that we already have. You're not trying to grow overnight faith out of nowhere. You've got to use what you already have. Because why? His grace is sufficient. He will put power underneath you for whatever amount of faith that you have to to get the job done. There was a, a, a testimony that Oral Roberts, I think it was at his ministry of uh, a little girl who was paralyzed and uh, he would take the worst cases. They would keep him in a tent or a small tent outside of a large tent where he would work. And he had workers back there helping him. That's how Brother Copeland learned. Everybody who who can touch the sick and they recover, they learn uh, helping Brother Roberts, most of them. Amen. Back in that tent. And so there was a little girl in there and they told her when, when we lay hands on you, do something that you couldn't do before or was hard for you to do. And that little girl could do nothing but blink her eyes. 
And when she began to blink her eyes, power shot into her. Her limbs began to move. Her arms began to move. She jumped off that mat and ran around. She said, see, Mama, I told you I was going to get it. The people who can tell somebody that this is their time and this is their place are going to get it. Amen. Because you call time on sickness. You call time on infirmity. You call time on waiting. You call time on all of it. Your faith has called time on it. Not your your carnal mind, but your faith. You worked with your faith and your faith has said, this is the last time for this. Amen. We're moving on to walking. And that's what happened with this young man. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And it says, and immediately, 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 the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. It didn't happen after he picked up his bed. It happened immediately when he what? Believed. When you believe God's word, within you already is an unction to perform what you believe. They all work hand in hand. So when God tells you to do something, once the decision is made on the inside of you to do it, faith is, is an act of your will. It's a, it's an act of your deciding. It's an, it's an internal decision to get up and act something out if jesus hadn't been a true prophet that man would have would try to get up and fall flat on his face like he did all those other times but the bible says this man immediately was made whole immediately when what happened on the inside of him when him be believed you believe first and then you get it you can tell what people believe by what they're eventually able to do, what they're able to perform. Once you believe it wholeheartedly, amen, when you believe something with your whole heart, it moves you to do something. It moves you to do what it is you're believing you can do. Amen. So when you believe it with your whole heart, without fear coming up to you and saying, see, this guy was beyond fear. Wasn't he? Because he had been getting up trying without success. He said, while I'm coming, somebody steps in before me. And he figures out these people have an advantage over me because somebody's helping them. You got me? So what stopped him was not really fear. What stopped him was lack of help. See, your faith needs help. He was believing all that time. But his faith needs, the Bible says, add to your faith, virtue. Virtue is courage. So all he needs to do is have enough courage to try it one more time. Here's his help in the form of a human being coming to tell him something he has not heard before. Amen. The way he was positioned with other people with the same infirmity, all he ever heard was the same thing. 
Jesus comes with good news. He comes with something new to tell him to do. And he gets it. So Jesus adds to this man's faith. Virtue. Amen. It's very important for us to know that Jesus is always adding to our faith. You won't have the same results you've always had when you attempt to do something you've never done before. When Jesus starts working with your faith, when you start expressing your faith to him, when you start stepping out in courage and confidence that he's with you, this guy said, I have no man. Jesus goes, what am I, chopped liver? You understand what I'm saying? But this man wants whoever comes to him to help him do what he thinks is going to get him well. Jesus will come to you and give you something new that it takes to get you well. Because he knows what it's going to take. There's always a next step. There's always a perfecting step. There's always, there's always something that he can add to our faith to get us well, to get us whole, to get us strong, to get us moving, to get us leaping up. Jesus said to him, do some, this real simple thing, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, that man was made whole. How do we know that? He was able to stand without falling. Amen. Jesus gets you to stand without falling. When he moves on you to stand, you won't fall. When the word moves you, you will not fall. Amen. That's what had been holding him up. He he was thinking it's not going to be successful if I don't have somebody to get me there. Amen. You don't need anybody but him. You don't need anybody but the word. Whatever it is that you need, Jesus will bring it to you. But Jesus tells him to take that up that you're lying on. Amen. Move it out of the way of comfort for you. Amen. Like many times when when God has me walk people at the altar, he'll have me, I'll start holding on to them and, and I'll notice that they're not leaning on me as much. They get lighter and lighter. Then I'll start to move a little bit out of the way. Amen. To get them off the visual and get them on the inside. Amen. And so many times we'll do things that look mean, uncaring. This is what Jesus wants him to get rid of. The stuff that's added for your comfort. Amen. The stuff that looks mean and uncaring. The stuff that looks like if I don't have that, I won't be able to do it. He'll have you start removing things from your convenience as your faith grows. Your faith will start telling you, you know what, you really can do this. Amen. Amen. It's, 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 and, and trust me, it's good to have things convenient because you don't have to move so far when it's more of an effort for you to start getting up. I do it now. It'll shock you the kind of stuff you can get on a little tiny 12 inch table. The dishwasher's there, the kitchen's there. The, you understand what I'm saying? 
just because it's more convenient for you. But many times I'll say, oh, Barb, come on now, get up. You can do this. You understand what I'm saying? Even though my mind is telling me it's not going to be comfortable, not going to feel good. But you do it anyway because that's how your faith works. You're looking for faith to restore mobility, to restore comfort, to restore everything. Amen? At least I am. And so sometimes God will move on you to make it a little more of a challenge for you because your faith is ready for the challenge. He won't tell you to do it until your faith is ready for the challenge. Amen? And that's that's a good thing about God. He doesn't want to you know, knock the crutches out from under you just because they're sick of looking you on that with that, you know. Sometimes you get that way about yourself. You think, oh boy, I should be getting up more, Lord. I should be exercising more. And you don't do it. (laughs) But you know it'd probably be better for you. Amen. And so we all have that challenge to let our faith begin to move and to grow and to grow us out of the status quo. So when he tells him to take up his bed and walk, what that means is you won't be coming back here. What that means is your symptoms will not return. What that means is it's going to be difficult for you to get, I'm erasing all the memory of your sickness, all the memory of your infirmity, all the memory of how long it's been, all the memory God has to heal our memory And if he doesn't, the chances are we could go back there. Because the enemy wants you to go back there. He wants to get control over you. Amen. But as long as you resist that and say, nope, I'm going forward. I'm going to do what God told me to do. I'm going to get rid of this. I'm not going to be dependent upon this anymore. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you need to be dependent on certain things. Like this guy, he was looking for somebody to help him get down there. Amen? He was dependent upon man. Sometimes that's an interim step in your healing. Amen? To be dependent on another human being. Why? It creates relationship. I know we're not interested in this. We're interested in healing. But sometimes God... (laughs) You know what I'm saying. Come on now, y'all. Y'all know what I mean. God is interested in everything. Sometimes he needs people to see you in a different light, or he needs you to see you in a different light. Amen? When I was mentally ill, I crawled for five years. And some about me knew, you're crawling. Why are you doing this? You used to do this. And you go, yeah, but you weren't there yet. See, you're not there yet. So you got to look at yourself in a different light. I used to look at myself as, oh, nothing's going to stop me. I can do anything. That was a lie. It was always a lie. Even though I believed it, it was still a lie. I didn't believe it was a lie until it actually happened to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? How vulnerable we are. How weak we are sometimes. You, You don't know that until you walk in that. And so, and if God chooses that for you, that's where you walk. Amen? Till you can crawl, until you can run, whatever. But, but you gotta be there for a season until God prepares you for the next thing. So he tells him, this is your last time on row four, Matt 38. Amen. It's your last time for waiting for an angel for a fable to happen so that you can get your healing. Now you're gonna walk in truth. And as, as soon as they, they saw him, the religious saw him, 
Here's a, a sheep let out of the pen on his own, not depending on their system anymore. They don't like it. Religion doesn't like it. So they send somebody to question him. Religion has lots of questions. And, and don't be deceived because they pretend like they really want to know. When really they want to pull the truth from you and get you to doubt it. The more questions they can give you, the more they create doubt in you that what you got was really legitimate. And if they can get you to go back to your mat, then they're satisfied. Because religion likes to keep you down. When it says great multitudes, that's how religion likes it. They like a whole lot of people believe in deception. They don't want you in truth. Amen? So they want their numbers back. They don't want to let one go. Because if one person goes, listen, the religious have seen Jesus operate. They know what he can do. And they know what happens when he touches somebody. They go tell everybody. Then everybody gets up and starts walking. You got me? And what does it do to their system? They don't care. They just want the numbers. You got me? They don't care. They just want to keep things the way they are. They don't care how much you suffer. They give you a nice home going. A cheap one, but you know. Religious people ain't going to spend a whole lot on nobody. Am I right, Poppy? They give you you the cheapest one they can afford to act like they cared about you. And And they do to a degree, but they don't love you. There's a difference. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for understanding of your word. Thank you, Lord, your word is truth. Your word is wholeness. Your word is soundness. Father, we we take up our mats right now. We don't need excuses. We don't need anything. We just need faith. Father, if we can lie on the bed of faith, it won't be long before we're standing. Amen? It won't be long before we're standing because our bed is made of faith. It's truth. We, We sit in the word that says, by your stripes we're healed. It says, I am not sick. Nobody in this land will say, I am sick. And none of the diseases, we don't have disease, Father. We have stripes. So we thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we're healed. By your anointing, we are made whole. And we thank you, Lord, for healing and wholeness in each and every one of us. And we have it now. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Praise God.